From NPR Music, this is Alt Latino. I'm Felix Contreras. Last week, we checked in on some music news from the world of Latin music, and there was so much, we're going to do it again this week. But before we get started, let me explain that this kind of news roundup reflects how important Latin music and the people who listen to it, how important they are to NPR. So if you're a fan of this podcast, and maybe you're not a regular listener of NPR news and other content, because you'll find many things that you should know about to keep you informed about the world around you, and you just might hear something of yourself in there too. So check it out. On deck this week, we're going to hear a profile of the iconic Peruvian vocalist Susana Baca. A conversation with the artist known as Sima Funk. We'll get an update on him. And we'll check in on Vicente Fernandez in Mexico by way of some of his most ardent fans. You'll also hear Ana Maria Sayer and I discuss new albums by both Susana Baca and Sima Funk on the show New Music Friday from All Songs Considered. Okay, so first up is a look at the influence of the legendary Mexican vocalist Vicente Fernandez. Sarah McCammon introduces this story for NPR's All Things Considered. He's known as El Rey, the king of Mexican music, the country's greatest living singer. For more than half a century, Vicente Fernandez has provided the soundtrack for Mexican life to nearly every corner of the Spanish-speaking world. The 81-year-old royal of ranchera music has been hospitalized for more than two months. And as NPR's Kerry Kahn reports, fans are worried about his fate and the future of the music he defined. The lyrics of one of Ranchera's most famous ballads takes on a more urgent tone these days, given Vicente Fernandez's current health. The day I die, he sings, you will cry, cry, and cry. Back in 1974, when Fernandez popularized the song El Rey, he was singing of a scorned love. But since taking a fall this summer at his ranch outside Guadalajara and the near-daily rumors of his demise, his fans and fellow musicians have been mourning. Es una serie de de cosas que, que lo llevó él. There is a lot that makes Fernandez great, but nothing as much as his voice, that booming voice, says 86-year-old Rigoberto Alfaro Rodriguez, who for decades arranged dozens of Fernandez's songs. Always dressed in an impeccable mariachi or charro suit, with a huge wide-brimmed sombrero and a pistol on his hip, Fernandez loved to show off that voice. In concerts, he'd lower his mic and belt out the ending of a song unamplified to thunderous applause. Fernandez has sold more than 50 million albums worldwide, starred in dozens of films, won three Grammys, eight Latin Grammys, and has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Para nosotros ha dejado un gran legado musical, un, un gran legado. He has left us with a great musical legacy, says Arturo Vargas, the longtime guitarist with the famous group Mariachi Vargas de Tecalitlán. 
a legacy that was hard won. Breaking into the big leagues took Fernandez years. He spent his early career singing on street corners and in restaurants, shunned by record producers. But as other great Mexican crooners passed from the scene, space opened for the mustachioed cowboy from a ranch outside Guadalajara. Marca un, un antes y un después dentro de la breve cadena de ídolos que ha tenido. His mark is significant. He'll always be among Mexican music's icons. Vargas tells me as musicians warm up around us backstage at a recent international mariachi festival in Guadalajara, Jalisco. This night, Guadalajara's Philharmonic Orchestra grandly sits behind Vargas's 14-member mariachi band. Seats went for as high as $100 a ticket. It's quite an impressive price given Mariachi's humble origin, says John Clark. It was the um, poor people's music. Clark, now 69, has been playing, studying, and writing about Mariachi music for decades. He says while its roots probably go back to the arrival of Hernán Cortés on Mexico's shores, the Spanish conquistador traveled with troubadours, historians didn't pay much attention to the mostly rural and indigenous music. He says that's until after the Mexican Revolution. When the indigenous culture became exalted, in contrast to the, the Porfirio Diaz regime, where everything was Eurocentric, but by then a lot of the history had been lost. Many towns throughout Mexico, especially in Vicente Fernandez's home state of Jalisco, take credit for mariachi's origin. Cocula, not far from Guadalajara, calls itself the cradle of mariachi, sporting a tiny museum and roving musicians. On Sundays, the local mariachi school's youth group plays at noon mass. Right after, they cross the street, still in their finest brass-studded suits, and play in the town's placita. Vicente Fernandez's tunes are always a favorite with the crowd strolling the public park or sitting on benches enjoying a leisurely Sunday with family. Many join in singing unabashedly, pitch and tune be damned. While still a sentimental favorite, the genre has lost appeal with younger generations. Fernandez scorned crossover artists, even his own son, who produces many pop songs along with mariachi favorites. And that worries 52-year-old Magdalena Vasquez. No deja ningún mensaje, hablando claro. Frankly, music today has no message, she says, as she sells Tupperware and COVID masks right off Cocula's Plaza. Her small stand sits in front of the city's huge bust honoring Vicente Fernandez. I have two daughters, and I ask them, how will a boy romance you? When you over, with what song, she asks. Her husband hides his face in his hands and laughs. It's those hardcore, traditional older fans that kept Fernandez's music alive for more than five decades. Fernandez has run afoul of younger generations more woke than their parents, 
In January, he gave a half-hearted apology after images emerged of him groping a fan's breast as they posed for a picture. In 2019, he said he refused a liver transplant, fearing it could have come from a homosexual. But for the diehards, Fernandez's legacy survives such transgressions. He's always professed that he was motivated by his devoted audience, as he said in a farewell concert in Mexico City in 2016. Appearing to choke back tears, he says, it was always about your affection, your respect, and your applause. And as he sings in the song El Rey, not about fame or wealth. Fernandez's music will live on. Reportedly, there are dozens of previously recorded songs to be released upon his death, allowing him to remain, as he sings here, the king. Kerry Khan, NPR News, Cucula, Mexico. You are listening to Alt Latino. I'm Felix Contreras, and we're checking in on Latin music news from our colleagues at NPR News. Now, here's All Things Considered's Ari Shapiro. Yeah. There are two sides to the Cuban artist Sima Funk. The first is an homage to the Cimarones, enslaved people who ran away from their Spanish enslavers. Sima came from the Marrooms. The Marroom was the slave that was in Cuba, that they left the houses, the master, they escaped in the slavery time, and they started to live in the middle of the forest, just hiding and um, trying to get the freedom. And the other half of the name, Sima Funk? And Funk, because all the, the African root that came to the United States and transformed since the gospel, the blues, to get to the funk. For that reason, I choose these two, these two names. Sima Funk's real name is Eric Rodriguez, and his band's second album, called El Alimento, is out today. It's a danceable collection of songs that blend Afro-Cuban rhythms with classic American funk. I want to see if we can identify the ingredients that make up this music and create a new sound out of the combination. To start with, the Sima. Is there a place that that history, those roots, come through on this album that you can hear what that ingredient sounds like? Oh, yes, it's a lot of them. You can hear it, for example, in This is Cuba, Eto Cuba. You can hear it in many parts of the song, but when I say like a un homenaje en los palenques de matanza, como si marrón abriendo monte hasta la Habana. Un homenaje en los palenques de matanza, como si marrón abriendo monte hasta la Habana. The lyric is talking about that. It's like an homenage to the to the village of these maroon people in Matanza, that is a province of Cuba where it was a lot of places where we're living as slaves. All the music that you hear there is Afro-Cuba, but mixing also with funk. This track, Estos Cuba, also references the town you grew up in, Pinar del Rio, in western Cuba. Can you paint a picture for us of what this place is like, what your life there was like? It's, it's beautiful, man. It's beautiful. It's like a countryside city. And the people is really humble, and, but everybody's family. I, I, don't, I don't know how many people live in my neighborhood, but everybody's family. 
And is there music in the neighborhood? Yeah, all time, man. All time. Every day. Every day. We didn't have like a equipment for reproducing music, but all the time in that moment in the TV and in the neighborhood also, in the neighborhood all the time was music. My friends in the street, the old people was listening Mexican music. They was getting drunk, playing domino and listening like, oh, la vida está bonita. All this music, Mexican. Yeah. And it was a lot of mix of everything, African rhythms and African music. Sometimes we were playing like Christian music, salsa or timba music. It's a crazy mix, man. So you've explained the Sima half of Sima Funk. Let's talk about the funk. The first track on this album, Funk Aspirin, features the funk legend himself, George Clinton. Okay. Ba, ba, ba. Okay. What was it like to be blessed by this patriarch of funk music? Bro, it was, has been like one of the greatest experiences in my career. Put your hands in the air. It's unreal. Because at the same time, you expect like it, it's going to be so intense. But at the end, it wasn't. It was like a mm. talking with a friend. We recall the track in a couple, I don't know, minutes. Because this guy is like a bang, bang. He grabbed the mic. There's nothing to fix, nothing to range. He just grabbed the mic and he started to drop flow and drop groove. Did this help you see something about the connection between the Afro-Cuban history that you were raised with and the African-American history that George Clinton comes from? All time. And we were talking about that a lot. We were talking about that a lot because he had a lot of influence from the Afro-Cuban music. Because he was making me the history and telling me that when he was a barber in New York, the music that was sounding in the R&B station was Afro-Cuban music. They say like, a, yeah, man, this was, this was like a big deal. You are free to shake your rock tonight. This album was clearly made to dance to, and a lot of the tracks are about love, women, partying, but there's one track that offers some kind of life wisdom. It's called Sal de lo Malo, Get Out of Trouble. What were you thinking about when you wrote this? I was thinking in my hometown, especially my grandma and in my mom, and the, the way that they put me out of trouble and the way that they teach me the things. And it's about that. I, I was thinking in that. And I was like, yeah, man, we got to make a song for the kids because they are the future. Mm. So I was just talking through the, through the teaching of my, of my mom and my grandma. What's one of the things that your mother and your grandmother taught you that you think of still now as an adult? They was always, for example, don't lie. <laughs> because always going to be a problem if you lie. You know? Don't steal. That was the main stuff in my neighborhood. Yeah. Don't steal because we always living together. Everybody was together sharing everything. So don't don't take nothing that is not yours. Don't disrespect the old people. You know, if, if someone was talking in my house, my grandma with some friend or my mom with some friend, I couldn't go and, and start to talk in the middle of the conversation. It was like a big mistake. But all this teaching was with a lot of love and a lot of respect. But they teach me all these things. And, and even these things now that happened to me in the actual, in my actual life, that they tell me when I was a kid, they tell me that this is going to happen to me. <laughs> my grandmother was telling me that, like, a, you're going to remember me because this is going to happen to you. When I die, this is going to happen to you. And, and bam, bam, this is happening like that.
feel like we can play this music and listeners can hear it, but we won't get the full experience unless we are on the dance floor, feeling it with our bodies in real time. I know you're doing an album release show in New Orleans. I wish I could be there for it, but I would love for you to pick a track, let us play it, and tell us what it's going to feel like when you're doing that live. Yeah, uh, Okay, let's listen to it. Okay, so imagine you're on stage, we're in the audience, what's going on right now? Body shaking. <laughs> it's gonna be body shaking. This Cuban acid keyboards and and the, and the bass also is Cuban. So it's, you're gonna shake, you're gonna shake your body, man. It's, it's for that. And slowly. What I see is people sweating and shaking. You missed that during the pandemic, huh? Yeah, man. Yeah. Now is now is that. It's all about that now. <laughs> Well, congratulations on your new album. It's been so good talking to you. Thank you, brother. Thanks to you, man. Pleasure. Thank you for the support and thank you for the time. Sima Funk's real name is Eric Rodriguez and his new album is El Alimento. It's out now. Okay, next up, we check in with our pal Robin Hilton at All Songs Considered. It's New Music Friday from NPR and All Songs Considered. I'm Robin Hilton, and we're taking a look at the best albums out now on October 8th. We start with Sima Funk. The album is El Alimento. El mejor alimento se llama sabiduría. Se aprende un poco en los libros y otros lo enseña la vida. Las abuelas son ley, tienen la verdad en la palabra. Siempre te dan el consejo y uno se calla si hablan. This is Sima Funk. The album is El Alimento. The song we're hearing from it is Sal de lo Malo. Felix Contreras, Ana Maria Sayer, we come back to you to talk about this one. This is a project of Eric Rodriguez. He and the band have been building a U.S. audience really since 2019, Felix, when you had him play at the Alt Latino Showcase at South by Southwest. That was part of the band's U.S. debut. El Alimento, it's not Sima Funk's first full-length record, but it really feels like a, a statement record, like a real breakout album, Yeah. Well put, Robin. That's exactly, yeah, mm-hmm. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, Sima Funk, it's like this music that feels so effortless and just gets a fiesta in, in, in itself. You can listen to it and have a different experience every single time because to me, it feels like you are quite literally listening to layers of generations. And I feel like I don't even know what genre you would put him in because it's kind of one of those things where the genre didn't exist until he created it, you know? He is like a combination of 
guy named Benny More from the 50s in Cuba and James Brown and Sly Stone all mixed together. He's one of those performers that you got to see him and the band live to really catch the intensity of it. And I think that this record catches that. And it's this really cool combination of Afro-Cuban music and funk. Well, as you said, Felix, maybe the best thing about Sima Funk is seeing him, seeing him with the band live. We don't have that South by Southwest performance online that he did when you, he was on the Alt Latino Showcase, but there is still a fantastic Tiny Desk that people can watch if they want to check that out. Yeah, please do. Sima Funk is the artist. The new album is called El Alimento. And Felix and Ana Maria, let's talk about one more release out today before I let you go. It's a huge compilation set of Latin soul music called It's a Good, Good Feeling, the Latin Soul of Fania Records. Before we hear the music, just to note that, you know, what they did back in the 1960s, right? This is from 65 to 75. You can draw a direct line to what we just heard with Sima Funk. Check it out. This is a Ray Barreto track I bought in that was recorded in 1969. It's called Soul Drummers. This is a result of this period of time when Boogaloo was a big deal in New York, and it's because the Latino communities and the African-American communities were living like right next to each other and within each other, and that you could hear how that influence went back and forth. So they're basically, can I get a little geeky for a second? Sure. They're, they're basically, the conga is playing the drum beat. So when you hear that boom, doom, ba, da, boom, ba, doom, ba, ba, boom, boom, ba, da, boom, that's the drum going boom, ba, doom, ba, right. boom, boom. That is the core of Boogaloo. And that style, that little beat, right? It it was so influential. If you listen to, like, for example, Marvin Gaye's What's Going On album, that same conga part is right there. That's how influential Boogaloo is. And that's why this record is important because it was just, it was a moment in time. It had its moment and then it was gone, but it's still so influential. He is describing a phenomenon that's happening with these beats that I'm feeling in my corazón. Like, I feel so hard exactly what he's saying. I hear that here, I hear that in Sima Funk, and I think these beats, these fundamental beats come up again and again and again in so many of, of the Latin songs that we talk about. And so I think it's kind of cool to see what feels like a real original piece of that. The collection is called It's a Good, Good Feeling, the Latin Soul of Fania Records. This is the singer Susana Baca. Her new album is Palabras Urgentes, and the song we're hearing from it is Cambalache. And for this one, we welcome back Felix Contreras and Ana Maria Sayer with NPR's Alt Latino podcast. Welcome, both of you. What's happening, Robin? Thanks for having us. 
So we're going to talk about several albums on this week's show, but let's start with this really gorgeous record from the veteran Peruvian singer, Susana Baca. She really is the grand dame of any form of Latin music from Latin America. That's how big of a deal she is. She's in her late 70s, and for 50 years, she's been the primary example, the principal example of the country's African heritage, and that's a very specific form of Afro-Peruvian music that has become well-known and recognized around the world, and she is largely responsible for that. Listening to her, there's just such a rich history, I think, to everything that she does. Like, for me as a young person, it's almost like every track is a new history lesson. And her music is, it's not museum music because it's still very vital. It's still very present, right? It's also important to note that in 2011, she was named Peru's Minister of Culture. And she's only the second Afro-Peruvian in that country's history to hold a cabinet position. So she's, she's a big deal any way you look at it. Well, I love how she's like, you know what, I'm going to just say whatever I want to. You know, and she's speaking some truth on this record, not to worry what others think. And, you know, she doesn't hold back. She sings about, you know, everything from like Peruvian independence fighters and the the country's history of racism, uh, you know, conflicts between urban and rural communities. She even, towards the end of the record, touches on global warming. She's very outspoken, always has been. I think that that's part of the magic and part of why people respect her. So much so, like just going back a little bit, in 1997, she really came to the attention of the world outside of Peru when David Byrne and his Luwakabop label released an album by her, like back, I think it was 97. Mm. And that really just like opened the world to who she is. And like you said, she hasn't changed at all, man. She's always spoken that truth. Susana Baca is the singer. Her new album is Palabras Argentes. Felix and Ana Maria bring in the much-needed lift for us this week. Thanks so much to both of you. Of Thanks, course. man. And now let's hear from Susana Baca herself. Here's Lulu Garcia Navarro from NPR's Weekend Edition Sunday. Susana Baca works a lot. The Peruvian folklorist has won three Latin Grammys and become known for singing Afro-Peruvian music to stages around the world. She also runs a music school and has served as Peru's Minister of Culture. Now 77, the singer-songwriter is in the 50th year of her career. NPR's Isabella Gomez-Sarmiento has this profile. Que tus pinceles pasen sobre mi Before she was famous as an artist, Susana Baca was a researcher. She was studying education at a university in Lima when she got a side job helping the late journalist and historian Juan José Vega organize his library. Baca, who is Afro-Peruvian, says that's when she first learned about the history and cultural impact of Africans in the Americas. She was inspired. Baca went on to travel throughout Peru, to the mountains, the coast, the jungle, learning all about Afro-Peruvian culture. She attended festivals, studied the dances, learned the stories, and compiled the music. Baca launched her career as an artist in 1971, performing Afro-Peruvian poems and existing compositions in her own way. It was a way, she says, of expressing herself. But it wasn't until 1995 that Susana Baca gained an international audience when, 
Gearing up for a South American tour, David Byrne of the band Talking Heads decided to take Spanish classes. He had a for South America. So he reinforced his Spanish classes. His teacher played him this song by Baca, Maria Lando. Maria no tiene tiempo. Maria Lando. De alzar los ojos. Maria de alzar los ojos. Maria Lando. Rotos de sueño. Me busca y me dice que esta canción que yo canto, él quería colocarlo en su, en su disco. Y él aprende también, María Lando. Byrne was inspired by the performance and put the song on a compilation album called Afro-Peruvian Classics, The Soul of Black Peru. Baca was catapulted into the international spotlight as an ambassador of Afro-Peruvian music and history. That's a legacy she still carries today on her new album, Palabras Urgentes. Que oscura sangra la herida, ay, Palabras Urgentes es en realidad un disco de, de tomar conciencia sobre muchas cosas. Por ejemplo, tomar conciencia sobre los políticos mentirosos. The album, titled Urgent Truths in English, is about raising awareness, she explains, and denouncing the political corruption that Baca says Latin Americans have experienced all too closely in recent decades. Con la herida oscura, que es Micaela Bastidas, es una mujer que lucha al lado de su esposo por la liberación del Perú. This song, La Herida Oscura, or The Dark Wound, is about Micaela Bastidas, a guerrilla leader and indigenous Peruvian who fought for independence from the Spanish. On Cambalache, a tango originally written in the 1930s, Baca updated the lyrics to directly address who she calls the lying politicians of today. To give these old stories new meaning, Baca worked with producer Michael League of the band Snarky Puppy, who she met a few years ago while recording together in New Orleans. A Michael ha, se ha emocionado mucho para escribir lo que ha escrito, para... She says League put a lot of care into writing and pulling in collaborators, musicians, to play on the album. When he played her one of the songs, months after recording... Y yo me emociono hasta las lágrimas. It brought Baca to tears. Y por ese lado, la globalización es buenísima. <laughs> Porque... Ellos escuchan mi música y lo que sienten, tocan. Es, eso es muy bello. Baca says she likes that part of globalization. It's beautiful. Sharing her art with a younger musician from a different background who can add his own touch to her music. Da lo mismo que sea cura, artesano chabacano, cara dura o Even though the issues she sings about are serious, Baca says there's a lot of fun and love in these songs. And she hopes they resonate with listeners as they did with her. Y yo creo que la gente va a sentirse acariciada por esa música. Baca looks forward to performing the album live and says that when she does, she will embody its themes of liberation by gracing the stage barefoot, as she's been known to do. Yo siento que mis pies eh, están sin zapatos y 
eh, soy libre, puedo bailar, puedo, puedo llevar el compás con los dedos. It's better for keeping the rhythm, for dancing, feeling grounded, she says, and for feeling free. Isabela Gómez Almiento, NPR News. Okay, we have completed our month-long takeover of the Tiny Desk concert series. Please go back and check out 10 way cool performances. There is a lot to discover and a lot to celebrate. Now let me take a minute to shout out the amazing team that made El Tiny the best it can be. First and foremost, Tiny Desk concert producer Bobby Carter. Bobby, thank you so much, bro. Also, Anais Laurent and Sergio Romano of the NPR marketing crew. Kara Frame and Josh Rogerson, who make the videos look and sound good. And also to our jefe, Keith Jenkins, and the ever helpful and supportive Nicole Warbeck. Thank you all so much, and thanks to so many others who made this series possible. And of course, thanks to Team Alt Latino, Ana Maria Sayer, Otis Hart, and the Groove Master, Rihanna Cruz. And we want to welcome intern Kat Spasado to our rambling daily editorial meetings. It takes a village, and our village is pretty amazing. You have been listening to Alt Latino from NPR Music. I'm Felix Contreras. Thank you so much for listening and watching. As always, gente, please be safe out there. Before we close the show out, let me say that the music you're listening to is by David Shulman and Quiet Life Motel. This particular track is called Point Lobos. Thank you.